0: Mention any movie involving high-velocity vehicles, Bullet, Vanishing Point, Days of Thunder, Fast and Furious, and you will see men doing so much driving, you'd swear the cars were fueled by testosterone. Mad Max Fury Road is different. Here, so many women do so many womanly things, oestrogen positively courses through its engines. So much so, you might wonder why they didn't call it Mad Maxine. And how exactly do we take the Citadel? Assuming we're still alive by then.
1: If we can block the pass, it'll be easy. All that's left are is war pups, and war boys too sick to fight. And we'll be with Nux. He's a war boy. He'll be bringing us home, bringing back what's stolen as he's meant to. It feels like hope. Mm. Look, it'll be a hard day, but I guarantee you that 160 days ride that way. There's nothing but salt.
0: With age comes wisdom, but what of the reverse? Does wisdom automatically age you? One of the most astonishing things about Mad Max Fury Road is that its director, George Miller, is 70 years old. It is a film of such delirious action and relentless energy that the sheer scale of its kineticism would put to shame directors half his age. With the notable exception of James Cameron, there is not a male director in the action genre who has ever placed women so central to what is otherwise considered by Hollywood to be the most heavily defended citadel of male chauvinism. Here is George Miller.
1: One of the things that flashed in my mind that she should be a female warrior, uh, the equal of Max, and that she's fleeing across the wasteland, and Max reluctantly gets caught up with her. In this post-apocalyptic world after after the fall, as we call it, she's
0: become a hard-bitten warrior. Charlize Theron may not receive top billing for her performance as Imperator Furiosa, but she certainly drives much of the film. While the first three films in the series were obsessively phallocentric, Miller delivers a picture that spins the entire franchise 180 degrees. One of the great decisions Miller made was bringing in a script consultant, Eve Ensler, author of stage play and cultural phenomenon, The Vagina Monologues. For the past two decades, Ensler has repeatedly declaimed this terrifying statistic. One in three women on the planet would be raped or beaten in her lifetime. Such violence against women relates to racial and economic injustice, and ending violence against women is as important as ending poverty and global warming. And it is those three themes that give the film such surprising and deep emotional reservoirs.
1: How do you know this place even exists? I was born there. So why did you leave? I didn't. I was taken as a child, stolen. You've done this before. Many times. Now that I drive a war rig, this is the best shot I'll ever have. And, um, they're looking for hope. What about you?
0: Redemption. Fury Road begins by showing the ever-growing difference between rich and poor. It shows the 1% of the 1%, keeping the rest of us not only in servitude, but also limiting our access to the most basic of life's needs, water. It's also about race. The 00001 percent is not just white. Their minions have powdered their skin with such pale chalk that they look like marble statues. It makes for surreal imagery. Dangerous they may be, they also resemble The Walking Dead. So anemic are they that they literally suck the blood from the 99%. And the minions only do this so they can die. Promised with eternal life, if they perish in the name of their decrepit patriarch, Immortan Joe. They are little more than suicide bombs, and if you look closely, their skin is not only imprinted with sacred texts, their bodies carry the physical deformities of such malignant thinking. A lot of them are cursed with cancerous boils. Another good decision Miller made was to cast Tom Hardy in the title role. Given the vitriol Mel Gibson unleashed against his former partner, and the female officer who arrested him for drunk driving, retaining the star would have completely undermined the film's themes. Ever since Ridley Scott and the creators of Alien changed the gender of Lieutenant Ripley, action and horror cinema have been slowly awakening to the fact that until such time as we have gender equality, female characters will continue to resonate in much more interesting ways than men. Spring five men from a prison and you have five ex-cons. Spring five women from a prison, as happens in Fury Road, and you see that they were sex slaves. Would the Silence of the Lambs have worked half as well if had it been about an FBI rookie called Clarence Starling? Where would the Terminator be without Sarah Connor? Disney tapped into that current and unleashed the billion-dollar phenomenon Frozen. There's a hell of a lot of money to be made if only the studios would present women in a more rounded, more modern fashion. So kudos to Hardy, who climbed aboard this vehicle, knowing full well that he would be for long stretches, just a passenger aboard Charlize Theron's milk-filled truck. As for Theron's Imperator Furiosa, she is as taciturn as the best males in the genre, just as injured by the past, and just as resilient in the face of danger. Here is Charlize Tehran.
1: This idea that she's kind of saving
0: these women to me just didn't feel as interesting as they belong to a man who hurt her incredibly and she's just had enough and she's gonna take these women with her
1: and she's gonna take what matters to him the most because he took the most valuable thing away from her. So it's the fact that she would never call them by their names, that she didn't wanna know their names because she knew the world that they were going into and there's no room for attachment.
0: By contrast, Max is still haunted by his demons, and so he disappears back into the desert winds. Here is Tom Hardy.
1: There's a there's a transition for Max. Max starts out as uh, a beast uh, in the wilderness. He's feral. Um, from a character point of view, a man who's got a tremendous amount of trauma and horror in his life. So in meeting Furiosa, it can't end well. (laughs) Nothing's good and everything hurts out there, and that's what Furiosa says to them, everything is painful.
0: It opens at a frenetic pace, with Max making such a desperate bid for freedom that the action lurches at a physically impossible rate. Edited by Jason Ballantyne, who has worked on Baz Norman's last three extravaganzas, Fury Road adopts Norman's dropped frame technique, where the action is filmed at normal speed And then frames are algorithmically deleted so a sequence will run inhumanly fast it may look slightly comical but in the opening minutes it leaves you with a sense that you're already being left behind in the 1960s when the action picture emerged as its own genre the average shot length of a hollywood feature film was about eight seconds that rate has been dropping at roughly a second every decade and Fury Road cuts in at a scorching 2.3 seconds. This is as quick as any Michael Bay picture, but Miller's aesthetic is different. Bay composes his frames in cubes of nine, spanning the width and breadth of the screen. And then he probes its depth. So Bay is actually filling out 27 different spaces within the frame. There is so much movement that quite frequently, your eye is not given enough time to absorb the action top left, bottom right, deep into the background, it is Bayhem in motion. George Miller does not micromanage his frame. Instead, put in the action center screen so your eye movement is minimized. That way, you can absorb the information more easily. And more than that, although every frame has been digitally re-enhanced, the stunts are done real time. Max and Imperator are not digitally tossed through the space like gravity-free pixels. Why is this important? Because despite the enormous developments in CGI, audiences are still discerning enough to recognise when there is physical weight in the image and not just the fairy dust of a computer animator. Here is Miller again.
1: It's not a green screen movie at all. Uh, we don't defy the laws of physics, there are no flying human beings and, uh, or anything like that. So, you know, real people, real vehicles, real desert for 130 days. Those big battles were staged sort of for real. We could, we had endless landscape. And, and every vehicle, sometimes up to 50 or 60, had a camera somewhere. And, you, and each camera you could run for 40 minutes. So we amassed 480 hours of footage, which is three weeks continuous watching without sleep.
0: There are many great things to marvel at in Fury Road. John Seale's cinematography so roasts the images, everything looks burned. That is, until he delivers a beautiful sequence under moonlight. But no matter where you are, the production design by Colin Gibson is constantly reinforcing the subtext. It is not gasoline that fuels the engines, but a cult of death. And its imprimatur is seen everywhere, from the front grilles and steering wheels on the cars, right down to the logos Immortan Joe has branded onto the necks of the people he considers to be his property. Another great element is the score by Tom Holkenborg otherwise known as Junkie XL. His music serves as a barometer to not just the action, but also occasionally to Jason Ballantyne's editing. Fury Road is a glorious spectacle, and it's the best fun I've had with cars since I was 10 years old when I smashed up my brother's Skellextric set.